When I was 19, which, uh, wow, it's, uh, time's gone by. That was 20 years ago now. I'm 39, so wow, it's 20 years ago here. Uh, I remember coming uh, home from college. There was one particular Sunday morning. I uh, went back to my home church, Glenwood Moravian, up in Madison, Wisconsin. And uh, that day, uh, I decided, you know, I'm going to be really prepared, you know, uh, and really get set for church. So I thought, I'm going to bring my Bible today to church. I'm going to bring my Bible with me, which uh, I didn't really do prior to that. So I thought, got my Bible. I'm all set for church. And I thought, okay, this is it's all well and good at this point. Uh, it means I'm more set for Sunday school. Uh, look at some of the scriptures there. Follow along with some of the Bible readings uh, during the sermon. Again, all good. What was not so good is leaving my Bible on the top of my car <laughs> for heading home from church. <laughs> uh, so, long story short, I lost my Bible. And this is, you know, this is a Bible that I actually was really starting to use, you know, starting to kind of highlight some verses and, and underline. And so this is, this is a good Bible and Bible gone forever. I uh, tried to look for it, you know, retrace, right, where I drove at home. Couldn't find it. The same thing happened to my wallet a year later. Don't even, as I think about it now, I don't know why I would have put my wallet on top of the car. On the, I, I should, I'm thinking about that now. Andy, what were you thinking? Okay, but that also happened where I had it up there. I think I was in a time in my life and before getting in, I'm, I'm putting things up there, getting things set. I don't know, and left the wallet up there. Uh, got home and said, no, not again. And, of course, especially on the wallet, too, I went back, re, uh, looking, you know, the side of every road that I drove, looking for, you know, that little brown wallet, and I didn't find it. Again, something lost. So, the moral of this story, at least at the beginning of the message here, is, is don't put things on top of your vehicle, okay? Just don't do it. It generally doesn't end well. You know, sometimes we see... People driving away and, and they got their big drink right on top of their vehicle. You ever, you ever see that? You're like, oh, you, you're wanting to, they're a little far away, but you're like, ah, man, your drink, it's, it's about to fall off. Ah. So, whether Bibles or wallets or drinks or other things, uh, sometimes we do that. Maybe that's happened to you, maybe it has not, uh, but we share this in common that all of us uh, at various times in our, in our life have lost things that were important to us. So, okay? You might not share in, in, in some of the weird, crazy things I've done, but, but you, we've all lost some things. And you know, we care about lost things. God cares about lost things, too. In Luke chapter 15, Jesus tells three back-to-back -back parables. First, about a lost sheep, then a lost coin, and then lastly, a lost son. 
And what we see in this progression of Luke 15 is first something that, that we can maybe really connect with. You know, it's just losing certain things. It could be a sheep, a coin, right? Anything else that we remember that we, we've lost. And we, we search for those things. We want those lost things to become found things. And then, but Jesus takes us into the longest story of that chapter about the lost son. Also known to many throughout the years as the prodigal son. And we see the heart of the Father, of, of God, and the heart of Jesus, who is one with the Father, coming through that he cares so much about lost people. Getting beyond just some of the things of this world to the people of the world. That his heart is longing for, for each person on the face of this planet. All of us, all of us who have, who have wandered away in our sin. He wants everyone to come back to him. To come back home. Luke 19, verse 10, Jesus said, I came to seek and to save the lost. He was and still is on a mission to seek and to save all who are lost. We're getting beyond things to people. People matter. Every one matters to God and should also matter to us. When we look in the New Testament, we see Jesus, you know, maybe not from a pulpit, he wandered from town to town, from place to place a lot. And he preached you know, better than I do, much better than I do. He preached to the masses, but we also see him seeking out and caring for one life at a time. And I want us to think about that. We see Jesus doing this one life at a time. We see him going towards people some individuals that the community had largely abandoned or ignored. And Jesus went to them. He saw them. He heard them. He cared for them. A few examples for us. We've heard of blind Bartimaeus sitting on the side of the road of Jericho. And others were annoyed with him. As he was calling out, Jesus, they were no, they're like, be quiet, you. Just, Jesus has more important people to talk to. He's got important things going on here. So be quiet. But Jesus went over to him. He spent time with him. He healed him. We see the woman at the well. She was all alone. Normally, at this time, 
the women would go together to the well to fetch water. It was a communal thing. Women go together and talk on the way there and on the way back into town for the water for, for that given day. But she's alone. We know something is wrong here. We won't get into all the story, but we know she was an outcast in the community. People thought, yeah, that's, that's an immoral woman, so we're not going to be with her. We're not going to talk with her. But who went and talked with her? Jesus. When no one else would give her the time of day, Jesus did. You have Zacchaeus. Uh, Zacchaeus and I share something in common. We're both short, little guys. So I always think, yeah, Zacchaeus, yeah, I, li- I like him. And he's like, he's like uh, on his tippy toes trying to see Jesus when he first came into town. And he's like, you know, I need to be resourceful. And I, and I, I might have done the same. I'm going to climb up a tree <laughs> and so I can see Jesus coming in. Zacchaeus was another one of those guys in the community that despised, even hated because he, he was working, really, uh, along with the Roman Empire and collecting taxes among the Jewish people. And often, many people thinking, you know, collecting more than was due for his own pockets. So people were like, really did not like this guy, Zacchaeus. But Jesus went to his house. He's like, you're up in that tree. Why don't you come on down here and let's, let's spend some more time together. You know, I'm coming over. Jesus went over to his house, and he showed Zacchaeus that he was worthy of being included, worthy of being cared for. And when Zacchaeus, when someone showed him that kind of care, that kind of love, it turned him around. He paid back all he owed. He's like, I'm turning things around. There was a woman in Jesus' ministry uh, that during one time when people were crowded around him and going from one place to the next, people were like, this guy is awesome. Jesus is awesome. Uh, we're we're going we're to follow him. The crowd was so great that day. And there was a woman. See, there's, again, there was the crowd, but there was one. The Bible tells us more about this one. She had a, a bleeding condition for 12 years. Nothing else could be done. No doctors around knew what to do. 12 years, this condition. She thought, if I could just touch the end of Jesus' cloak, if I could just in, get in through that crowd. So she had faith. She said, if I could just get in and just, just touch the end of his garment, I'll be healed. And that's what happened. And as soon as she touched the end of his cloak. Again, there's a crowd. Everyone's rushing and all around him. And he's like, stop. Somebody touched me. Someone touched me. And everyone around is like, Jesus, how, like, there are people all around. What do you mean? Some, everybody's touching you. Everyone's jostling and all around. What do you mean? He knew. He knew in that moment. He said, power went out from me, healing power. And she touched this woman who had faith, this one. Showing love to that one. So everybody stopped. And then he could speak with her some more. Just spend some time with her amidst the crowd. 
Lastly, we have one of the criminals who were crucified on either side of Jesus. And we see two different stories with the two men on each side. Two different stories. We talked about that earlier. We all have free will. We can go the right way or the wrong way. We can believe or not believe. Okay. We see that happening. But there was one criminal, and, and he did some bad things. We don't know what he did, but he did some bad things. Something changed when he was hanging there dying next to Jesus. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus did not condemn him for his wrongdoing, but he loved this man and said, Today you will be with me in paradise. Everyone mattered to Jesus. Yes, he preached and he showed love for the masses, all the crowds, but he showed personal love and attention to each life, each individual person who was before him at that moment. He showed that everyone, everyone matters. And we might agree this morning that every person has inherent worth and, and, and does matter to God and therefore does matter to us. But on a practical level, sometimes we just don't see the person that is before us. We just don't really see them, even though they're right there. And we don't see them, we really neglect to care for them. And we often don't see them because we're so busy and distracted by the next thing we have to do. And I'm right in there. Now, what's on our agenda? Okay, check, did that, on to the next thing. Got to do this, got to do that, got to keep going. I have only 24 hours in a day, got to keep this thing going. And we miss some of those people that God places in our path. Have you ever had something right in front of you but couldn't see it? This happened to me just this past week at Starbucks. I go there. I know a lot of you don't think I need coffee. I understand that. I'm already pretty, I'm, I'm already pretty wired, and I know I'd be fine with decaf, but sometimes, you know, I do like bold coffee. It tastes good. And, and I, I go there, I, I, I sermonize, as I say. I kind of do some of my writing and try to focus. So I was at Starbucks. I'm, I have my iced coffee, and uh, I can get free uh, refills on my iced coffee. So on the way out, I get a refill, and I always save my lid. I don't like them. I have a new lid and, and waste. I like, so I, I give them my cup. They refill the iced coffee, bring it back. I have my, I have my lid. She's like, okay. And I'm looking around. I'm like, I, I thought I had my lid. I had it. It was right here. I, I mean, I'm like, I'm looking. I'm looking on the counter, I mean literally, right in front of my face, looking for the lid to the iced coffee. Couldn't find it. She said, oh, she goes, it's right there. She pointed, I mean, really, I looked down, kind of refocused, oh, oh, oh yeah, yeah. You know, feeling a little, little embarrassed and, and all. Um, it's right there in front of me. I didn't see it. Has that ever happened to you? Huh? A lot of times, right, you're opening the fridge, right? 
something, look, where is it? And someone comes behind you, grabs it, here it is, you dummy. You know, <laughs> just, oh, oh, there it is. Ah, oh, I was right there all, all along. So, it happens with things, so I want to say this morning, I think it happens with people too. It happens with people too. Someone might be sitting right there next to us, standing in front of us, but some, for some reason, so distracted and focused where we need to go, what we need to do, that we don't see them. We don't see them on a deeper level of what they're going through, the kind word that they need, whatever it is. In our One Life ministry, I believe God is trying to get our attention, is trying to get us to see, I mean, really see at least one life. A person that he loves, but right now is not walking with him. A person that he died for, but has not yet believed. There is one life that God has placed in your life that he wants you to reach and to love. You might be thinking, well, we're... Where do, I, where do I find my one life? Uh, how will I know who it is? Well, that is something that I cannot answer for you. But I believe it's a person that God has either already placed in your life or soon, very soon, will place in your life. Someone from your work or school or on a team or within a hobby or or group that you're involved in, some sphere of your life, there is someone that matters to God and he wants to matter to you. So I don't know who that person is right now, but God will show you. God will show you. Remember what Jesus said, ask and you shall receive. Seek, and you shall find. There is one life that God will show you that he wants you and I to really see, really hear, and really care for. This is the kind of evangelism we're going to be doing through one life. This is something we all can do. So begin to be open and to pray, God, show me who my one life is. Be open. Asking, be seeking. God will will reveal to you. We had 22 members of the congregation that were part of a one life training back at First Christian, downtown Columbus, on June 23rd, they started thinking and praying about their one life, who their one life might be. So I want to ask for each of you to start thinking and praying that same direction. Who is my one life? I met my one life at the CrossFit gym where I attend in Columbus. I have simply started a friendship with him. That's the first step in the One Life ministry. Develop a friendship. Again, we can all do that.
I mean, think about it. Can, can you develop a friendship with someone who seems far from God right now? Can you simply be a friend who listens and cares? Well, if so, then you're more of an evangelist than you ever thought. As we come to a close, some might, people might be asking the question, why are we supposed to focus on one life? Why? Well, Jesus gave us what we call the Great Commission before he ascended to heaven. Great Commission is found in Matthew chapter 28. He says that we, as his disciples, are to go out and help others be his disciples. For lost people to become found people. So that they too can enjoy the hope and the blessing of being in God's forever family. In our effort to help others follow Jesus, here's what I'd say. Why one life? So in our effort to help others follow Jesus, if we are not focused on reaching at least one life, then we're not reaching any life at all. To not reach out to one is to reach out to none. Let that hit us. To not reach out to one is to not reach out, is to reach out to none. And if we say we are Christians, then that just won't do. Jesus wants us to join him on his good news mission. And Jesus has shown us every one matters. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for speaking to all of us this morning. Lord, lead us from here. Help us to join with you on your mission to reach out to and to love one life at a time. Lord, help our eyes and our ears and our hearts to be open. Lord, to know the one life that you have for each of us to be a friend to, to listen to. Lord, whatever we can do to care for them as you care for all of us. Lord, help us together, Lord, to be about your calling to go forth. Not just stay here, but you send us forth to care for each one. Send us and show us in your time as we pray, as we seek, as we knock, as we ask. Show each one of us who our one life is. It's in your name, Jesus, we all say, amen, amen.